Welcome back, DGI Multiverse. This is DGI Mark of the Dad's Got Issues podcast. This is issue number 46. We're going to get back inside the ropes and give you guys some professional wrestling breakdown from the last week. Uh, DGI Charlie is with us remote, and we're going to kind of get through this quickly today because I start football um, in an hour or two. So uh, let's dive into some news, Charlie, some news. So what... um, with NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day happening last night, um, I think WWE missed the mark. They should have done um, uh, Valentine's Day Massacre if they were going to bring back a pay-per-view theme. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't know how many, I don't know how many Sunday, February 14th, the WWE gets in history. Um, why you would choose Vengeance Day instead of Valentine's Day Massacre um, is beyond me. I would just assume because it has Massacre in it and somebody would be offended. Well, that and, you know, um, because we didn't talk about it yet. Yeah. So they didn't have anything to steal. Um, so. So, yeah. So um, with NXT TakeOver um, occurring last night, Triple H um, traditionally does a post like TakeOver conference call and obviously his video interview that he does for the WWE Network um, on a uh, conference call last night with a bunch of media outlets. Um, he was, you know, posed the question of how will the move the Peacock affect TakeOver's? Will there be less takeovers? Will there be more takeovers? Because if you remember back not too long ago, takeover wasn't like in every like two or three, like it was spaced out. You were only getting like two or three a year. You, you were getting it around the big four. Yeah. Right? So um, Triple H came out, basically said, um, will it be affected? He said the plan, that is the plan, obviously a new partner, new platform. This is a direct quote. Um, new partner, new platform, but the content and the delivery of the content, it's a WWE product and process. Uh, will it that change at some point? Will there be more? Will there be less? We're always going to evaluate no different than we would at any point in time. That is the plan. Um, he said to keep going. That's the beautiful thing about Peacock is there's a lot of eyeballs potentially. Um, was asked about the NXT brand in Latin America. You know, the pandemic is making things difficult to get things off the ground down there. Um, but he said, you know, obviously we have next level talent here like Andrade, Humberto Carrillo, um, Car- um, and Angel Garza. He said, you know, you, when you get past that, we, you know, he has Lindsay Dorado, Grand Metalik, Santo Escobar, Raul Mendez, Druckween Wild, um, just to name a few. Uh, could be very close, absolutely. Uh, but the timing's just got to be right. And given the circumstances of the pandemic, it makes the challenge more difficult, but it's still a goal. Um, and then obviously they asked that, you know, he that gave him a parlay to bring up UK and basically say, you know, we think there's a massive opportunity there it, that they're just scratching the surface. Um, so realistically, did Triple H answer any of the question that was asked? Absolutely not. Um, he He has the benefit of the pandemic kind of pushing his answers one way for whether Peacock is going to affect how WWE plans pay-per-views in their event schedule. And obviously he has the pandemic to kind of affect his answering for whether or not this Latin America or Lucha NXT brand that everybody keeps hearing about, but we haven't really heard anything noteworthy about um, kind of it steers him away from the, the answer. Everybody I think wants to hear whether it's going to happen or not going to happen. Um, and WWE does play their cards pretty close when it comes to show announcements, superstars being signed, things like that, that stuff gets leaked pretty often, but it's not often when you hear like, 
oh, WWE's debuting a new show. Usually we get that when like a brand is copyrighted. Like they copyright a name like NXT Lucha or NXT, you know, whatever. Um, I, I hope Peacock doesn't affect it. I actually don't mind the idea of maybe six takeovers a year. I think if you do it half, half of the year. But, I mean, if it goes back to just the big four, I think NXT thrived on having longer builds up to there. But they also have to stop shotgun booking like we've covered in the last couple, you know, probably the last couple issues here about how quickly things are developing and kind of ending within the brand. Um, I guess next piece of noteworthy news came out of this weekend's uh, takeover was the signing of Eli Drake formerly known as E.I. Drake, L.A. Knight, um, as he will go by in NXT. Um, He's a former Impact World Champion. Um, He's actually from the great state of Maryland. Um, Most recently, he was uh, wrestling for NWA. Um, And I'm actually, I was excited to see him, right? I'm a big Eli Drake fan. I think he's one of the best talkers in the business. I think he's got a great look. He's obviously a little bit older, you know, he's unfortunately in like that Bobby Roode phase. Like when Bobby Roode was signed by NXT and you were excited because you're like, oh, that's Bobby Roode. And like they gave him like that that momentary push in NXT, but you know he's probably more of, of main roster material. And once he moved up to the main roster, they did nothing with him. Um, but yeah, he came on, he cut a nice promo, made fun of the Barstool guys um, that, that were helping, I guess, with the pre-show interviews. I don't know what the guy's role was there last night. But uh, yeah, so I was excited to see Eli Drake. I am not excited that he is in the WWE machine now because I think he's going to unfortunately get the same exact treatment that Bobby Roode got. Bobby Roode was a great talker, has a good look, but he's a little bit older. So unfortunately, I don't think pushing him is probably at the forefront of the WWE mind. But then again, the WWE just had a Royal Rumble where the youngest, there was only two people under the age of 30 <laughs> inside the match. So maybe old is new in WWE. I do not know. Um, how much do you, how much do you follow Eli Drake? Or are you, are you in between? So, so the thing is like, I don't know much about him because I was never an impact guy. Right. Yeah. It wasn't until recently that the impact has even, gotten on the radar because of the stuff that they're doing. So, you know, back, back when it was a six sided ring, even then I really didn't watch very much, but I knew a little bit more now, nothing except for what is currently happening. So. Yeah. It's tough because it, it's tough because Drake was in that era of impact where they were bouncing networks. They weren't, they were constantly being picked up and dropped, you know, but he, I mean, he very much like Ethan Page, who's also a big impact guy, who more than likely from what all that I've been reading, he's going to sign with WWE as well. You know, these two guys were, were basically carrying the company during a time period in which there was nobody else really doing that. Um, Bobby Roode obviously was from more the Hogan TNA impact era where like you know you had Hogan Sting Samoa Joe AJ like Bobby Roode thrived in that era of where like got to the point that Impact was confident enough to put their show head to head with Monday Night Raw uh, for a week or two Um, so at the end of the day 
I agree with you. I think this is what a lot of fans are going to struggle with. Like, obviously, they're going to look him up. They're going to see he's a former Impact champion. He also wrestled in NWA, and like I said, um, for the last like year, year and a half, and he put on some good matches there. But that brand was, you know, the Power Series was so short lived. It's really tough, you know, to to get behind this idea that like he's a super big Impact player. But maybe that helps him. Too, you know what I mean? Because a lot of these guys come in with these very lofty, extensive career records and other brands and other companies, and then they get to WWE and they just never live up to that hype. You know what I mean? Like, I think the biggest one I think that everybody could probably agree on is EC3. When he came over from Impact, he was a name that everybody recognized. When he was in the crowd, when he came out, like he kept his he kept his ring names. He didn't change and didn't kind of mold to the WWE machine. And, like, there was a high expectation that he was going to really push the limits in the company, and he just never did. Um, And he's honestly really, I mean, even to this day, like, you're not hearing much. Obviously, he's wrestling a little bit in Ring of Honor, a little bit in Impact. Like, he's kind of rolling around, but he's not really doing, like, what Cody Rhodes did when he got released. You know what I mean? Cody sat down, made a comprehensive list, and went after the top independent guys at every single company where... It seems like, you know, EC3 is kind of meddling, you know, in in independent purgatory, so to speak. And so he probably signs with another big company like an Impact or, you know, an AEW. Um, Eli was not the only signing, though. Um, Taya Valkyrie, or Johnny Morrison's wife, um, was also reportedly signed to a deal this past weekend. Um, Once again... I'm happy for her. I'm glad she's finally on the main stage. She's going to also be wrestling um, in NXT, at least to begin with. Um, I think she's a tremendous wrestler. Her Watching her on um, Lucha Underground um, obviously gave her a lot of exposure. Gave John you know, Morrison a lot of exposure, too, as a main event title guy, but obviously, you know, Ty, she was able to wrestle, you know, in the main event against men. She was, you know, she showed off her abilities. Obviously, she's rep- wrestled for TNA for years. She wrestled for AAA down in Mexico. Um, she's probably one of the more well-seasoned female veterans that they've signed in recent history. I know Mercedes Martinez has a long career in professional wrestling, but I don't think the name recognition is quite there that Taya has. She didn't make her debut last night. Apparently, she was backstage, I guess, to get a feel of the event because obviously we don't have another takeover for a couple months. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm excited for her. It makes sense with John Morrison being signed to the company now that she would sign with WWE. She does have a ton of friends at AEW though. She's done a ton of being the elites. She's done a lot of stuff. So it's very surprising. I'm, I'm wondering if it either just came down to the fact that John is involved in WWE is why she went there. Or if it really was maybe just a money thing. Maybe AEW didn't want to pay her what she's, you know, what she's probably believing that she's worth. Um, But who knows? We'll never know. They never obviously discuss that stuff openly unless it's something negative and they can use it against one another. Um, What do you think about the overall about the two additions? Obviously, they haven't really added much to the roster as of recently. So it's a it's kind of a new new moves right before WrestleMania season, which we know always inevitably ends in a lot of people being cut from the company. You there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. So what's your what's your take on it? On 
on Taya coming over. Uh, uh, Taya and 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 like, what do you what, what's your what's your take on WWE making? Uh, in my opinion, probably two bigger signing. I mean, obviously these aren't like, you know, they're not MSK. We at least know of Eli Drake and Taya Valkyrie. You know what I mean? Like, I know a lot of people probably knew who MSK was before they got signed, but we're just not that in depth in the impact and you know that side of professional wrestling, so to speak. What's your take on them making these signings and the announcements of these signings right before WrestleMania season? I mean, look, it's it's inevitable. You know, WWE is, is going to make their cuts after WrestleMania. It happens every year, right? Um, bringing in fresh talent, that's cool. Uh, you know, we we still got a few months. Where are, what, what is it? It was February, right? So still got a few, three, like, what, three months, roughly? Yeah. Before Mania. So that gives them enough time to get these folks established. Well, no, no, we have half of this month, next month, and then April 11th. So, I mean, we're talking two months. Okay. But they have time to kind of acclimate uh, and gives WWE time to, uh, to go ahead and look and see, okay, well, where's the, where's the parts that we need to trim? Where can we move people up? to the main roster and where can we insert these new folks um, to kind of get the next class into NXT. Um, so, and, and I get it because it's, it is a business, right? It sucks because these people's livelihoods and, and things, you know, like they want to just wrestle and do their thing, yeah. but they, they, it is still a business. And if they're not making money off you, then what are you doing there? Right. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of places for people to go now. So maybe it's not going to be so bad this year. Yeah. So um, speaking of plenty of places to go, uh, apparently we've had our first hiccup in the AEW Impact relationship. Nothing that the companies were really charged with, but more the talent. Sammy Guevara reportedly was pulled from the Impact taping last Tuesday. He was actually supposed to have a segment on the show. Um, He rescheduled a flight that they would had him in Nashville the day before, so he would have been in Nashville on Monday. Um, But he rescheduled to arrive in Nashville just a few hours before the show would start taping. And apparently there was some text and conversation exchange between Sammy and Impact officials about alternative ideas or what they wanted him to do on the show that night. And basically him not not wanting to agree to anything um, that they wanted to really do with him. Um, and now we understand, unfortunately, as much as this partnership between AEW and Impact has seemed to open the door for some bigger name stars to cross over and really have an impact with one another, it doesn't really seem like they're using any using any one star significantly more than another in like a storyline. Like they had the um, the Impact pay per view this past weekend. Um, Private Party wrestled in a triple threat match between the Good Brothers, um, James Storm and Kip Sabian with um, obviously Private Party with Matt Hardy in their corner for the uh, Impact World Championships. And from what I've read, I didn't watch the pay-per-view. The match was great, but it didn't seem like at any point in time that Private Party was actually going to win the titles. Um, so like, I think that's an issue we're, we're, we're going to run into now is like, is it always going to be just the home team wins or is it some point like the home team going to lose, whether it be a title 
or whether it just be an overall feud or match. Um, but Guevara, base Guevara doing what he did basically. It, it even says on here that reportedly, once he was canceled off of the show, it was actually Jericho who called him and told him when he landed in Nashville just to come home. Um, and it says that there's no there's no you know bad beef or bad blood between AW or Impact, and that the relationship is still golden according to Pro Wrestling Insider, um, who was covering the situation. So. Does it surprise me that Sammy Guevara is the one that didn't like what was planned for him? Not really. He's a young kid who, unfortunately, he's been thrust into a very, very high spot on the AEW card, in my opinion. Um, and he's probably still has some maturity you know, issues going on there, but who knows what Impact wanted him to do. You know what I mean? He's fresh off leaving Inner Circle, which occurred Wednesday night. Um, you know, he's fresh off of a, a run where they've built him pretty well to become a, a semi-decent independent star, in my opinion. But we'll see, you know, if this affects Sammy's booking moving forward in AEW. I don't think it will. I don't think at this point, it, like this relationship is such in its infancy that I don't think either party is going to punish superstar. I mean, you remember you had uh, the Good Brothers got in trouble um, or got AEW in trouble with TNT for all of their uh, grotesque gestures as they came out to the ring and during the match uh, a couple of weeks back. Apparently there were some issues with TNT executives with all like the air humping and, you know, crotch chopping and all the good stuff that, you know, comes with, unfortunately, having the Good Brothers on your card. Um, but yeah, so... Does it surprise you that it was Sammy? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> um, because, you know, well, and, and I'm, I'm looking at this too. Like, I, I look at AEW as being bigger than Impact. So if it's going to hurt what he would look like on AEW, then it makes sense to shoot things down. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, he's got to look good on his brand doesn't matter what he looks like on AEW. So um, if if he didn't like it, then, hey, he didn't like it. That's okay. Yeah. Um, and then last little bit of news uh, in regards to crossovers and, you know, between brands and shows. Finn Balor, uh, I guess in an interview last week, came out and basically said um, that he's aware that there's a ton of cross-brand work going on. And apparently he's been advocating for that in WWE for years. Um, he said he doesn't feel like he should be limited to what his contract says or what the company they work for. Um, he said he feels like wrestling as a whole could be a whole lot better if that meant, you know, if that means we all just work together. So if that means going to Japan or going to Europe or going to Mexico, he's like, I'm, he's down to do that. Now, so you're talking about, uh, he's like, I'm his, the last quote is I'm all for open border policy, not just between countries, but be between companies as well. So obviously with, you know, Balor coming from a different cut, you know, he came from that new Japan era where those, those guys unfortunately weren't making a ton of money wrestling for new Japan. So they had to go around the country and around the world to make a lot of money if they wanted to do that in wrestling. Now, a lot of these guys are kind of lucky enough that like new Japan's big enough as a brand, AEW's big enough and um, WWE's big enough that they can kind of make their money now wrestling one schedule all year in one company. 
Um, obviously, AEW, New Japan, and Impact are all working together now. And unfortunately, Finn is watching all of his former stablemates and friends benefit from that crossover, right? You know, I'm sure we would all love to have Finn in that in that mix down in, you know, AEW, New Japan, Impact, where, you know, he's getting to wrestle, you know, the, the biggest stars in New Japan now or the biggest stars in AEW or vice versa. But unfortunately, somebody like Finn's opinion don't really matter in the WWE grand scheme of things. WWE is so globally dominant as a brand, they just don't believe they need the assistance of anybody. You know what I mean? Like they're not, they're never going to reach out to a lesser known in their mind to be like, Hey, can you guys, uh, you guys want to partner up because they don't, the WWE doesn't believe that's going to benefit them. They're not going to bring more eyes to their product, which I think is a very backwards way of thinking because I think any, any eyes is better than no eyes. Right. If I have, if I, if I have a billion people to watch my product a week, if I can get a billion and one, I want that extra one. You know what I mean? I, I hear what you're saying. I guess I'm looking at it from a standpoint of like, it's not like uh, we'll, we'll use the NFL. It's yeah. not like the NFL is going, hey, we want to put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers up against Alabama. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not going to do that. Yeah. Because it's, it's, what do they really stand to gain out of it other than, oh, I've never really watched college football, which is not probably true for a lot of football fans, but I'm just using that as the example, right? Yeah. Um, where I've never watched that. So now I'm going to go ahead and watch college instead of pro. And that may take eyes off of the product because people go, oh, I enjoy college way more than I enjoy the NFL. Yeah. So, and, and it definitely, it definitely, I mean, I guess your, your analogy, my analogy would be like Floyd Mayweather. WWE is the Floyd Mayweather of sports entertainment, professional wrestling. Floyd is, you know, 49, 50 something and oh, if he would, you know, fight one of these guys that we know could beat him, that does nothing for his brand and does everything for that guy, right? If you're the guy that's the, you know, the one in 50 and one, like, you know, like Paul used to say, we're the one in 21 and one, you know, when you do that, you're making that guy's name off your back. So I understand. I, I definitely get that, and I understand that. That's that that doesn't escape me. But it's just one of those things that, you know, you, you can hope, you can dream, you can fantasy book. You know, if WWE decided, you know who I really could see convincing the WWE to do something like this, and it's fucking ridiculous? The Saudis. I could definitely see Saudi, the Saudi Arabian kingdom being like, hey, We'll uh, we'll give fucking three billion dollars to see this show happen. Do you think Vince turns that down? Mm, I I don't know. I like that would be a huge that would be a huge dick swinging move if he's like, nah, we're good. We don't need that money. But like, obviously, three, if, if they were like, we're gonna do three billion dollars, WWE, AEW, and, and New Japan would all benefit from it, right? They they wouldn't just be WWE getting a three billion. So it'd probably if you did a three way split, let's go three way split even, even a billion dollars for one show, that's hard to pass up. Not saying that this would ever occur, but we know they have you know, fuck you money over there, and they can kind of do whatever they want. 
And obviously, WWE is huge in the Middle East. So they kind of got a they got a stranglehold, right? But what happens when somebody in that royal family gets a hold of AEW or somebody in that family starts watching New Japan? And that starts to be the flavor and the brand. And then they inherit all that fortune. They're like, oh, I don't really care about WWE anymore. I like these other companies. WWE is going to have to come to the bargaining table. That might not be for 10, 15 years, but who knows what the relationship between them and the Saudi Arabian empire will be or, um, by that point. But that just about does it for news. We're going to do rapid fire for Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. We really only want to talk about the main event scene at the moment. Um, not a whole lot of development on the undercard, so to speak. We've had a lot of championship defenses and things like that in the last you know, week or two for like the IC title and U.S. title and whatnot and tag titles. But the main event picture, uh, obviously we know we're getting Drew inside of the Hell in a Cell um, with all the 2009 um, Wonderlings, so it's a very old match in, in sense of age, but there's a lot of talent within the match. Um, we do not know at the moment what's going to happen with Roman, and me and Charlie were talking about this beforehand. I said it doesn't make sense for Roman to defend the title in an independent solo match from the chamber and for SmackDown to use the chamber as a number one contendership match. Because if you're gonna if you're gonna make the decision for Edge, you know, before Elimination Chamber, so either tonight or on Friday, or on Wednesday if he decides he wants the NXT title for some reason, if you make that decision and say Roman he picks Roman right, so now we 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 think we're getting Roman Edge one on one at Mania right. If they do a number one contendership at the Elimination Chamber, we our discussion was, does that number one contendership push that person into a triple threat match at Mania? Or does that number one contendership not take effect until after Mania? Right? So, Charlie, I'll let you share your thoughts on that. Um, yeah. And, and, so, then, and then I'll, I'll give my, my two cents at the end. Okay, so what I'm thinking is we're going to see the elimination chamber match happened. Roma comes out It has his match squash match. It's done. It's over with. But, um, I think what we, we could also see, and then after letting it digest a little bit more is, uh, whoever wins because of that happening, right. Uh, we'll get a legitimate shot, uh, at fast Okay. And then, um, from there, you know, it'll set up the edge versus Roman, which is what I think is going to happen. I don't, unless somebody somehow beats Drew, and I and I'm and I'm trying to think of the guys that are in the match that it would be a good match between Edge and, uh, you know, whoever could come out and it like edge versus drew that does nothing for me. Right. Well, you have the, the only potential suitor I could see edge wrestling for the world title would be either AJ or Randy. And I don't need another Randy Orton edge match. Like I'm good on that feud for now, but well, I, think, I, but you know, WWE and they love to go to that. Well, I mean, unfortunately, and, or fortunately for Randy Orton, whatever, however you want to look at it, you know, he's had that, that long storied feud with John Cena. But wouldn't this put, wouldn't this put him over the mark of flair? 
for world titles? Who? Orton. No. Because he's, put- he's at 12, I thought. He tied Cena well, with his well, last well, victory. Flair's 16. Yeah, but you know what I mean. You know, um, Flair says 16, but if you look at his statistics, it's really 13. They count but, three phantom wins at some point. But the but the WWE, they they go, Ric Flair is a 16-time world champion. So that's, but isn't that's C- what, Cena's tied with him, right? Uh, with, did, with Flair. He's either tied or he may have passed him. No, Cena, Cena's tied. And okay. I know Randy was one away from Cena before his last reign. So I think Randy and Cena are both tied at 16 with Flair, not 12. Okay. So my thing is, I just don't see them putting this belt on. That's a monumental moment. I don't think that happens at the Elimination Chamber. If that moment was going to occur, it will be a SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, slash, you know, WrestleMania moment, in my opinion. But, like I said, if somebody's going to take the belt off of Drew at the Elimination Chamber, if the Rumble was any indication of outside interference, I think AJ stands the best chance because of his enforcer. How he gets involved in a match is still yet to be seen because obviously they're inside of a steel structure. But well, hold on for a second, um, because there's there's going to be somebody else added to the match. Yeah, um, that's what I thought. They had they had one too few in 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 the graphic. I thought they were missing a person. Well, so it was supposed to be Drew versus AJ versus Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton versus Sheamus versus The Miz. But I think, if I'm not mistaken. They're going to put Jeff Hardy out of it, maybe? I don't know. I haven't really been paying that much. I, that close to attention of Raw be, just because I, they kind of set up their they set up their eggs right the, you know, the night after um, right. the Rumble. But as far as SmackDown goes, my thoughts are I think they're, they're going to do what they've been doing. They're going to make both champions earn their way, you know, Romans had to wrestle like nor we're not used to seeing two championship belts defended every pay-per-view, which we've gotten recently. So I think you're going to see Roman inside the, inside the chamber and he's going to come out victorious from the chamber because if you're going to have Roman versus edge, it's got to be a one-on-one match. And my only way, like I said, I kind of explained at the beginning before uh, Charlie gave his take. My only way I see him doing an independent solo match against somebody else is if that person that wins the chamber is going to join the match with him and edge. And there's just nobody in my opinion that fits that fits that spot. Like you could make the argument for Seth because he's Seth Rollins, but he's not, he's not at the level he, he was a year ago before he left, right? Before he, before he changed his character and did all his stuff, like, He's kind of back into that meddling, like lower main event position, and he needs a moment to push himself over again. But uh, we'll see. Uh, that you know, we'll find out this week because Sunday is Elimination Chamber. WWE's done a pretty good job of keeping pay per views coming, so we'll know sooner rather than later what the outcome of this weekend will be. Um, but let's speak. Speaking of outcomes. Uh, not much in way of AEW last week. Um, it was a good show. Uh, I thought the main event was was great. Uh, you know, Kenta and Kenny teaming up 
um, was a was a great site with you know Moxley and Lance Archer. Lance Archer is slowly but surely becoming one of the most impressive wrestlers on AEW. Um, he went from a very bludgeoning, heavy hitting offensive style to now he's like in the ring, do, you know, throwing some move sets together, putting things uh, on the paper that I don't think a lot of people expected. Obviously, if you watched him in New Japan, you knew he was he was he's an impressive wrestler for a guy his size. Um, but that that variation of old school that he does, where he you know he walks the top rope and then hits the uh, the backflip, it's pretty impressive for a dude you know, of his size and stature. And he hits it clean. You know, I've yet to see him hit it to where it looks like he, you know, potentially could hurt the person he's performing it on. Um, but AEW, AEW overall was, was all right. Um, but let's talk NXT. Um, what'd you think of, uh, takeover vengeance day? So I enjoyed it. It was, it was a really good show. Um, you know, from, from beginning to end, it was, it was good. Um, I'm, I'd say match of the night probably belongs to uh, Johnny Gargano and Kushida. I thought that that yeah. was the best match on the show. Um, it was very well done. It was a great paced match. Um, all the matches I think were good. It's just that one was the one that sticks out the most to me, which is great because, you know, it feels like Johnny Gargano has kind of been in a lull. Yeah. Um, so to have that caliber of match again um, is, is what you expect out of a Johnny Gargano match. So I, me, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, yeah, I enjoyed the Gargano match a lot. It's, it, it was the first time in a long time that Johnny went from bell to bell without a ton of shenanigans that like allowed him to retain. Um, I was very surprised he retained. I, I was, but I wasn't, I guess, because I think Dex, him and Dexter Loomis is the bigger feud. Right. And if you take the belt off of Johnny, it doesn't make it as important when Dexter beats him, so to speak. Um, however, though, if I'm picking a match of the night, it's the main event. Like NXT has done a very good job in the last couple takeovers or specials making the main event the main event. You know what I mean? Making it feel like and build to and just without a shadow of a doubt, the most important match on the card. Um, we, uh, we had the, and I agree with Charlie completely. I think of the last couple specials and takers, this was probably the best in my opinion, since the Kyler Riley Finn Balor match takeover, yeah. this was the best takeover, yeah. um, that they've had. Um, they did do, um, they did do the finals for the dusty Rhodes tag team classic tournament. um, we weren't fans of the women's finalists because they have a women's tag team that's been operational in AW or sorry in NXT for the last year, and they got took out in the semifinals by a bunch of ind- individuals um, or solo wrestlers tagging together. Um, Dakota Kai Raquel Gonzalez ends up taking home the first ever women's Dusty Classic um, championship or title or whatever. Do do you think this helped either of them? Helps either of them? I mean, it's a it's a team award, right? And and it's just it's odd to me because obviously Raquel Gonzalez is on a, on on a beeline for the women's championship, right? We well, thought only that. Of, yeah, I mean, it's only a matter of time 
before her and Dakota Kai split. So my, what I'm thinking is we're going to see them. They're going to get their tag title match. It's going to happen. They're not going to win because, you know, WWE needs the, the women's tag titles on the main roster and not in NXT for some reason. Um, you know, even though they don't really get utilized or defended or actually mean anything uh, anymore. Uh, no, but, I agree. Uh, but then we're going to get to a point where that I think is what's going to cause the split. We'll have Raquel Gonzalez split from Dakota Kai. She'll get in some good matches uh, and then on to Io Shirai to become the women's champion. Like yeah. I, I guarantee you by I'm going to, I'm going to say by SummerSlam, uh, whatever takeover is going to be around that time. Raquel Gonzalez is going to be women's champion. Yeah. So um, I, I agree there, um, and that can actually segue us in, and we'll talk about the men's. We'll talk about the Eir Shirai, Tony Storm, Mercedes Martinez match. Rushed build, completely rushed. No, no sense into why we were, why either of these women were, were getting a main event title shot already. However, if there was ever a time to get the belt off the boringest women's champion in freaking NXT history, it was last night. I would take either one of the other women in this match as champion at the moment. And I've never heard Mercedes Martinez cut a promo or Tony Storm cut a promo. I like Asuka. I liked, you know, even Kari Sane's, you know, poppy, like, happy-go-lucky character. I didn't mind. Nothing about Ira Shirai interests me. And, you know, I've been very polite about her over the last year. You know, I've, 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 I've kind of beat around the bush. I've kind of, you know, said, oh, you know, maybe she's better in matches where there's multiple women or better in a tag scenario. She hasn't put together really any good single showings. And then she had the match against Sasha. And I was like, well, that was a good match. There was some good timing there. There was some good chemistry there. But then she's put on every match she's put on since. You're like... It just isn't good. She's boring to watch. Her pace is boring. Her moveset is boring. The best thing about her is her character, but her only time you see her character is in her entrance. She becomes a completely different person inside the ropes. So I am so ready for this era of the women's championship to end. I just don't know who's going to take the bell from her. And if I have to wait till the fucking summertime <laughs> for Raquel Gonzalez to get into the picture to dominate her and take the bell from her, I'm going to be utterly bored. Like this, unfortunately, it forces this division into an AEW level booking, right? You have a, you have, it's, except it's the opposite. You have all these women around her that are tremendously more talented, right? But you're booking the worst one out of all of them to be your champion. At least AEW has the best woman in their division as the champion. And they're booking the rest of the crap, you know, portion of the roster around her poorly. They're not building anybody around her. Where NXT's done the exact opposite. NXT's developed 12 different women that should be winning the world title by now. And they have, they've had it on Ira Shirai for almost a calendar year. So I guess my take on it is I see I'm an Io Shirai fan. I like Io Shirai. I just feel like the moment that she got the championship, the chase was over, and now you don't have anything to root for her for other than to defend 
and it just hasn't seemed like there's up until the match last night, there hasn't been a time where it seemed like, okay, it makes sense for her to drop the belt here. Last night did not that I was like, I need Tony storm to be the women's champion or I need Mercedes Martinez to be the women's champion, but it gives them an out, right? Yeah. Because now you can have Io Shirai go and she can shift into other feuds. She can, uh, or you eventually go back to, to trying to chase again. And, and that was, that was the enjoyable part of her, but you know, but now, but like I said, she's, she's boring and it's, it's partly due to her booking. She doesn't get a lot of TV time week to week. She doesn't get a lot of, you know, you know, singles matches, so to speak. But I think it's because they realize she has glaring weaknesses. Her match pace is fucking abysmal, dude. And I, I get it. Like you like, if you like her, like, I'm not trying to convince you otherwise, but I would have rather Tony Storm walked out last night with the women's title. It would at least shook things up, got Ira Shirai away from the main event title picture. And maybe she could rebuild her, her chase. But to this point, like, I'm just, I'm done with it. It's so beyond boring. It's unbelievable. Um, but then, uh, we got the finals for the, the men's match, which actually pit two uh, tag teams against one another. WWE actually, you know, didn't do what they normally do and have indi- individual or singles competitors win their tag team tournament. It's a fucking amazing concept though. Um, but yeah, so you had MSK, uh, versus, uh, shit, I'm forgetting their names. Uh, grizzled young veterans. Yeah, there we go. Grizzled young veterans. Um, Grizzled Young Veterans has come on very strong since reappearing on NXT television. And then obviously MSK has had a tremendous first, uh, first month or so in NXT capping it off last night with the victory. Um, I thought the match was good. I think it, it, it displayed both teams styles appropriately and it showed that MSK had the ability to dig deep late and come out with the victory. What that means for these gentlemen moving forward, I do not know. Um, do I think they are tremendously more talented than Danny Birch and Oni Lurkin? In what they do, yeah. But I don't know if they're the same type of characters yet, right? We need to learn more about MSK. We know they're getting an NXT title opportunity. Um, but I'm hoping it's not just like one of those wasted ones on like a Wednesday night, you know, where... It's not a special. It's not a takeover. And like these guys have had no real, no build, really no build other than the fact that they won the Dusty Cup. Um, but what were your thoughts? What's your, what's your opinion on, on the young so, tag team? You, so for one, I thought Grizzled Young Veteran was going to win. Yeah. Um, and I thought that they deserved to win. Uh, but um they're 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 strapping the rocket to msk they're solidly behind them so hey we'll see where they where it goes um out of the two i think that wesley impresses me the most yes whereas uh was is it nathan carter yeah i think uh he just reminds me of a, and i say this with all due respect poor man's jeff hardy yeah Uh, and, and, you know, I get it. Like, you know, especially, you know, if you grew up watching the Hardys, you're going to want to emulate them, especially if you're in a tag team. Cause Hey, you know, people love the Hardy boys. Um, but I, I've seen the Hardy boys yeah, and I know what they're capable of. Yep. I want to see what, I want to see what Nathan Carter is capable of. I don't want to yeah. see him to, to mirror, you know, or, or be a Jeff Hardy light. I want him to go out there and, and do stuff. Um, that's, 
unique to him or, you know, it's okay to yeah. use moves that other guys have used, but when you start doing things like swantons and flips over the ropes and, you know, piggy jumping off of your partner's back uh, to deliver some sort of drop kick or something like you're doing too much, I yeah. think to, to emulate your heroes. So, uh, but good for them for winning, uh, you know, and we'll see where it goes because, Hey, they're a legitimate tag team. <laughs> they're they're a yeah. legitimate team that won the, the thing. They're a legitimate tag team that that has a lot of chemistry and and nothing but potential. It's just I feel like they're too new for me to I guess. They know, feel I'm like one hundred percent behind them. You but know it's what I mean? it's funny though because all you know, we obviously give our just desserts to both companies: AEW, NXT, WWE, AEW, whatever. But when you talk to people, they're generally like they get generally pissed off when you talk about like. AW tag teams and the spots and all the stuff that they put into their matches. Oh, they're just a bunch of spot monkeys. There's there's no there's no in-ring chemistry. Like they're always saying some stupid shit like that, right? That's 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 the argument against AW as a whole. But then you watch that match last night, you're like, that's all MSK is. That's 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 their entire match psychology is them. You know, getting beat up, getting beat up, uh, big spot, big spot, big spot, getting beat up, getting beat up, big spot, big spot, oh, big spot, comeback, big spot, end match. And, like, I'm not hating on the guys because they're young. Like, people forget back when the Hardys were young guys, their entire match was all spot-driven. It was, can Jeff get to the top of this scaffold 49 feet in the air and jump off of it onto somebody, and then Matt hit a twist of fate and get the in-ring win because Jeff just gave us our entertainment. So like, it's one of those things where like, I appreciate it because it's, it's making WWE fans like what they, they apparently believe they don't like, right? Like you can't come to me and say MSK is this phenomenal tag team. They're the best, one of the best young tag teams in the business This sat in the third and then tell me that Top Flight and AEW is not also one of the best young tag teams. Because they're on the same trajectory, right? MSK's a young up, you know, young up-and-coming tag team that's in a big company now and is taking things by storm. Top Flight's kind of doing the same thing, obviously in a lesser tune to what MSK... Like MSK's going to have a title opportunity within three months of joining the brand. Where I think Top Flight will eventually get there, but they're not there yet. But their in-ring styles mirror each other. They're almost asymmetric. They're they're almost symmetrical. Like not even even remotely different. But we'll see. Uh, like I said, I was impressed. I'm happy as a tag team for a change, and we'll see what what this this win ultimately brings them. Um, and we've pretty much covered everything, but the main event. So, what do you think? What did you think of the main event? I thought this was just a little bit below Finn O'Reilly number one, but definitely above Finn O'Reilly number two. Yeah, I I mean, so it's it's a tale of two matches. Yeah, um, because uh, it starts off extremely slow, and I I love Matt base wrestling. Um, and but, that and that's Pete Dunn's thing, though. Right. Uh, it just it, it felt like it was just dragging. There was no at no time that I think that anything happening was going to result in in the match ending right then and there. Yeah. Um, and then as the pace picked up, as we got through the match, 
uh, then that became the match that, you know, I think we all wanted to, to watch. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, and I enjoyed it and, um, everything was good. You know, you had the big spot with Finn kicking out at the bitter end, uh, coming back and then hitting the coup de gras to, to win it. Um, so all in all, I, I think it was a really good match. Um, like I said earlier, Johnny and, and Kushida were, was, was the better match. And it was, I guess, I guess maybe when, when you compare the two, it's, it's hard because, um, you know, it, it, they went on last. Yeah. So they had to follow that. And when you already have that like fresh in your mind, you're like, yeah, that was so awesome. And then you watch that. You're like, ah, I mean, this isn't bad. It's just not as good as what I watched earlier. Yeah. Um, it'd be like getting a bacon cheeseburger after having, you know, a flame and yawn, right? You're like, this is good. It's just not as good as what I had earlier. Yeah. And, um, and I, like I said, I enjoyed the Kushida Johnny match a lot as well. But for me personally, I like this because this has been, this has been, been being built for months now. Like this goes, this predicates all the way back to the Pat McAfee war, like pre war games. Like Pete has been chasing this opportunity to this point. Obviously, he didn't win, which isn't a isn't a problem for me because I think if either guy would have won the match last night, it would have been okay. But I do think Pete needs to chase a little bit more. Maybe do, I hate to say this, he's got to be a little more heel to take the belt from Balor at this point. But it doesn't seem like we're moving forward with the Pete Dunn rivalry. Um, like I said, I enjoyed the match. It was a great match, great spots, great, you know, close calls, ultimately with Balor coming out on the end, but it's not the match that you talk about. <laughs> um, obviously, the match. yes, obviously Danny, uh, Birch and Oni Lurkin come down, um, and assist Pete Dunne in a post-match beat down of Balor, which is then interrupted by Undisputed Error. Um, O'Reilly extends his hand in, I guess, solidarity or partnership with Balor, raises him up. Um, and as they're standing there to close the show out and Balor goes to raise up the, you know, the proverbial gun, uh, he gets met with a super kick from Adam Cole, clean as a whistle. I mean, just a solid super kick. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, and puts him down. And then, obviously, O'Reilly gets pissed off at Cole. Roderick Strong kind of standing there in just shock. And then, lo and behold, Cole, you know, sends the receipt to O'Reilly and super kicks him. Um, does this signal the end of Undisputed Era? I think so. I think, I think we're done. I think that... Uh... I think, you know, we'll see the guys, you know, go on to do other stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's the end of maybe O'Reilly and Fish. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think. Well, that's the thing. Fish hasn't been on TV in a little while. So I do think it's going to be interesting to see where he falls in the dynamic when he comes back. Aligning O'Reilly with Finn doesn't quite make sense. So this might have been the best way to get O'Reilly out of Undisputed Era and allowing Undisputed Era to continue as a traditional main event tag team level faction, right? But I'm just excited because now it looks like Adam Cole has direction. He wants the world title back. 
And if that means we're going to get an Adam Cole versus Finn Balor feud moving forward into the summer or past the summer or whenever, I'm 100% here for it. Because we've, you know, been, we've been saying for months now, he's been just sitting in like NXT purgatory of like what is going on with him. So I was starting to think uh, that maybe the, the next big takeover, we're going to have a um, fatal four-way for the championship. You'll get Pete Dunne, Finn Balor, Adam Cole, and mm. Kyle O'Reilly. That would be nice. I would I would enjoy that. I, I think that that would be, I think that's a money match waiting to happen. So um, here, what is it? February 15th, 2021. Mark it on, mark it on the calendars. Today, I, 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 I booked the, the next TakeOver pay-per-view uh, main event. And it's the fatal four-way between those four. Yeah. So we'll see. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I was excited. That was a great way to end the show. Very high point to end the show on. And obviously gets me interested in seeing what the fallout's going to be this week on Wednesday. Um, but... That about wraps up my takes for today. Um, I Sorry we have to cut it so short, um, but I get to start football today. It's the first time in 11 months I get to go over and see my athletes over at the school. Um, we will be back on Wednesday with issue number 47, Hot Off the Press. We'll be covering some independent books, some DC titles, and uh, give you guys some comic book news. Uh, we are hoping to get out our Around the Multiverse issue this week. Uh, on Friday, but we will keep you guys posted on that one. Um, if you have not already done so, follow the podcast, like, and subscribe to it. Make sure you guys leave a comment and review. Let us know what we're doing right, doing wrong. Uh, we are available on all major podcasting formats, so if you don't like us on Apple, you can find us on Google. You can find us on Intune. Wherever you want to find us, you can find us. Um, if you're not already doing so, give us a follow on all our social medias at DGI Podcast. Um, like and um, comment and socialize. We interact with everybody that interacts with us. Uh, we want to know what you guys want to hear on the show and what you want to see us cover on our pages. Um, do you have any closing thoughts, Charlie? Uh, no. Uh, just uh, you know, be careful and uh, don't get super kicked. Yeah. Don't get super kicked. Don't don't trust Adam Cole is the moral right. of today's show. Uh, but I'll send it over to you and you can send us home. All right, man. Well, as always, everybody, thanks for listening. And uh, Mark, go ahead and get our music. Music.